Um, as I said, today we are in the fourth weekend of Advent, and uh, the message today uh, is part of this series we've been doing called Unto Us. And the scripture we're going to be looking at is an Old Testament scripture from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the prophet says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. During this Advent season, we've been doing um, this teaching series around several Old Testament prophecies that predict the Messiah that would come and save his people. And this particular prophecy involves a miracle, the baby that would be conceived by a virgin without human intervention. And it's a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith, affirmed by centuries, uh, uh, throughout the centuries by the church, but often now called into question by those who would challenge the deity of Jesus. Let me give you a little bit further background. The earliest statements of faith that were put together in the first few centuries of the church uh, were put into a document called the Apostles' Creed. Many of you may be familiar with it, uh, but it lists, in the creed lists, some of the basic fundamental doctrines that we believe to be called Christian. And part of the creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Today we're going to look at some of the opposition to this core doctrine of the faith, as well as some of the reasons why we continue to believe this great truth about a baby uh, whose birth we celebrate in this season. Uh, to, uh, today we have the opportunity to declare the good news that the, in the manger of Bethlehem, God be, became human as well as God, and, uh, and brought us into a relationship with him. In the manger, the word became flesh. In the manger is the baby in whom all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. In the manger lies the Son of God, and he is the one that we worship uh, today. Christmas is a great time of the year, isn't it? Recently I ran across a statement that sums it up. It said, isn't it amazing that a baby born in a stable 2,000 years ago can cause such traffic jams the week before Christmas? And I'll admit to you that I'm not much for the crowds or the traffic or the shopping, but I am thankful for this season. We Christians ought to enjoy Christmas more than anyone. It's so easy to be a Scrooge and be grumble about how this season has been treated by those who turn it into a purely commercial holiday, but remember it was our holiday first. More than that, Christmas is the first great miracle of the Christian faith. In saying that, I am of course referring to the virgin birth of Jesus. It is a doctrine often taken for granted, yet from the very beginning there have been those who have doubted it. Before we go on, let me give you a little bit of a historical perspective. About a hundred years ago, controversy over the virgin birth began to really tear the Christian church apart. It ranked with the resurrection and the second coming as one of the fundamental doctrines of our faith, but liberals denied it and conservatives began to defend it, and some called it unnecessary. Some even called it an, un, uh, an irrational doctrine. Harry Emerson Fosdick, one of the most prominent liberal preachers of the 20th century, said, Of course I do not believe in the virgin birth. I do not know any intelligent minister who does. 
Well, in case you wonder if such views have become outdated, let me update you on the work of a group called the Jesus Seminar. About 30 years ago, a group of liberal scholars began meeting to try to determine the true words of Jesus from the gospel, and they voted on the sayings and the teachings of Jesus by using colored balls. Black meant the statement was definitely not genuine. Pink meant maybe it was. Red meant definitely was the words of Jesus. And among the teachings of the Bible that the Jesus Seminar blackballed was this one on the virgin birth. That Jesus, uh, they dismissed it as a legend that has no historical validity. The scholars decided that Mary must have had intercourse with Joseph or with some unknown person before she became pregnant with Jesus. And one of those progressive scholars called the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth pure theological fiction. Now, while we may be tempted to laugh this off as the work of a few radicals, we, often, uh, we ought to take it more seriously. For you see, behind the well-publicized Jesus Seminar stands an insidious theology that attacks the central uh, truths of the Christian faith, that God became human in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's only a short step from denying the virgin birth to denying the deity of Jesus. First you attack the birth, and then you attack the baby. And first you attack the miracle, and then you attack the man. And once you deny Jesus' miraculous entrance into this world, it's a short walk to deny his deity and that he ever even existed. And that really may be the goal of the Jesus Seminar, to demythologize Jesus so that he's no longer the Son of God from heaven who came to earth as the God-man to die for our sins. In fact, when these scholars are through, the Jesus of the Bible will be replaced by a pale imitation who is neither Savior nor Lord. Now consider these ancient words from the Apostles' Creed. We talked about it earlier. Uh, the, the line is, I believe in Jesus Christ who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. These words point to a fundamental fact of the Christian faith, that in Jesus Christ, God became one of us. The New Testament clearly declares that the virgin birth actually happened in time and in space. Matthew and Luke both tell us the story as sober historical reality. Now we can say it isn't true if we want to, but we can't deny that the Bible clearly teaches it. And we can't deny that the early church believed it. Furthermore, this doctrine has always been considered one of the more fundamental doctrines of our faith. And it is something that almost all Christians have always believed. So with that with, as a background, let me update you on this doctrine. Can we still believe in the virgin birth? Why does anyone doubt the virgin birth? Well, first of all, because it's a miracle. By definition, miracles are beyond human explanation. They're hard to understand. They're even harder to believe. After 2,000 years, we tend to forget how strange it must have been. Joseph didn't understand at first, and that's why he intended to give Mary a private divorce. Evidently, he assumed that Mary had been unfaithful to him. It wasn't until the angel formed him in a dream that he could accept the truth, but Mary didn't understand it either. And Luke chapter 1 makes it clear that she was completely baffled and even frightened by Gabriel's amazing announcement. Furthermore, no one really knows how it happened. Gabriel uses very discreet, non-specific language to describe the actual conception. 
In Luke 1.35, it says, The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now, the verb there, overshadow, speaks about the direct presence, personal presence of God. The same verb is used in all three accounts of Jesus' transfiguration, describing the cloud that enveloped Jesus and Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John on the mountain. And from that cloud came a voice saying, This is my son. Well, here even Gabriel's announcement to Mary is, he says, the baby to be born will be called holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Physically, then how did the conception happen? Well, again, we don't know for sure. Through some unknown means to us, through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, a baby was created in Mary's womb, the unborn person of Jesus Christ, who would be fully human and fully divine. It's a pure miracle of the highest order. No one can explain it, nor can we duplicate it. The virgin birth of Christ stands absolutely alone. Nothing can be compared to it, nor any other birth has ever been or could be like it. So secondly, it's an unexplained miracle. Nowhere are we told why Jesus was born this way. Could Jesus have been conceived through natural means if God so desired? We simply don't know the answer to that question. We know the virgin birth happened, but the Bible nowhere explicitly tells us why it had to happen that way. Theologians have offered lots of speculation, but we're not 100% certain. Third, it's not mentioned outside of the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Only two of the four Gospels mention the virgin birth. It's never explicitly mentioned in the letters of Paul or Peter or John, nor is it mentioned in any of the evangelistic sermons recorded in the book of Acts. While we're certain, uh, there are certain texts that do imply the virgin birth, uh, and may be compatible with this picture, um, none of them outside of Matthew and Luke stated this directly. Uh, even in John chapter 1, it's not state where we have this picture of Jesus as the Word becoming flesh. It's never directly mentioned. Fourth, there are stories of miraculous births in various ancient cultures. The Romans often invented legends surrounding the miraculous birth or, uh, of various emperors. The Greeks concocted crude stories regarding their gods and their heroes, including Hercules. So some have suggested that the virgin birth is simply a sanitized version of these ancient myths. Fifth, the message matters more than the details. This is the position of a more progressive faction in Christianity as exemplified by the Jesus Seminar and others. Liberals believe that the early church simply made up the story of the virgin birth to enhance the uniqueness of Christ. And they wanted to believe that he was the Son of God, so they created a legend of his miraculous conception in order to prove that he was more than a, than a common man. Before going any further, let me stop and just ask, what remains if we deny the virgin birth? You know, we really only have two choices. First, we can say that Joseph was the real father of Jesus and that the virgin birth was invented to make Jesus seem like God. Or we can argue, as certain Jews did, that Mary had an illicit affair with a Roman soldier. Evidently, this rumor had wide circulation in the early church during Jesus' lifetime. And this may be a part of the, 
the despicable lie that, that was uh, part of a, a story that was happening in John chapter 8 and verse 42 where some Jews were confronting Jesus and when Jesus uh, called them children of the devil, they replied in these words, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father, which may be a sly way for them to imply that Jesus himself was born illegitimate. So, but this lie has floated across the centuries and still finds traction to today, today in the minds of many unbelievers who still don't want to acknowledge the real Jesus some 2,000 years after his birth. So having stated all that, what happens if we deny the virgin birth? Well, we still have to account for Jesus, don't we? Where did he come from? Whose son uh, was he? Um, let me lay out some positive reasons then why we still believe in the virgin birth. First, it has been universally believed in by the Christian church for over 1,800 years. I've often quoted, uh, I've already quoted the Apostles' Creed, but every other major Christian creed of, in the first 1,800 years of church history has contained references to the virgin birth. Outside of a very few heretical groups, like the Ebionites in the early church, every branch of the Christian church has always affirmed the doctrine of the virgin birth. No Christian denomination has ever thought to question it until the rise of scientific rationalism during the period of the Enlightenment. Now, it was then that men like Thomas Paine and the French philosopher Voltaire led the charge against the virgin birth. The fight continued during the early days of the last century, and the virgin birth became a major flashpoint in the fundamentalist versus modernist controversy. Churches and denominations have even split. New churches were formed uh, because they thought this doctrine was unnecessary to Christianity. Secondly, every major branch of the Christian church still believes this doctrine. Christians of every stripe believe in the virgin birth. The Roman Catholic Church strongly affirms this doctrine. So do uh, various Orthodox churches. The only churches that don't believe are the denominations, a few in number, that have capitulated to liberalism and political correct theology. And we know that around the world the church is growing fastest in third world countries, especially in Asia and Africa, and uh, virtually 100% um, uh, of these Christians believe in the virgin birth and would be shocked that we're even having this discussion. There are well over 1 billion Christians in the world today, nearly all who believe in the virgin birth. Outside of some colleges and a few seminaries, few people pay attention to what progressive scholars like the Jesus Seminar have had to say. Third, the New Testament explicitly says that Jesus was born of a virgin. Both Matthew and Luke clearly say that the conception of Jesus took place by the power of the Holy Spirit while Mary was a virgin. And that's not open to question. Those who say otherwise must do it at the expense of the simple meaning of this text. As one writer put it, it is extremely difficult to make the terminology of the virgin birth refer to something other than the virgin birth. And then fourth, it agrees with the rest of the Bible. I've already stated that the only direct references to the virgin birth are found in Matthew and Luke, but there are other scriptural passages that kind of are compatible with it. Genesis 3.15 says that the Messiah will be born as the offspring of the woman. 
But we know that it takes both a man and a woman to create offspring. This phrase has long been understood by Christian theologians as a reference to the, to the virgin birth because it only mentions the woman. Isaiah 7.14, which is our focus today, a much more clear passage says, uh, predicts the virgin will conceive and bear a son called Emmanuel. The angel who appeared to Joseph in a dream quotes this passage as proof of the virgin birth and the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh, refers to the incarnation of Jesus as the Son of God in human form. And while it doesn't that might not demand a virgin birth, it certainly applies that he had some kind of supernatural entrance into the world. 1 Timothy 3.16 summarizes Jesus' birth by saying that he was revealed in a human body, which sounds like Jesus did not come into the world in the usual way. Galatians 4.4 states that Jesus was born of a woman. Indeed he was, but why would, they, would, would Paul use such strange, a strange expression like that unless there was something unusual about his birth? You see, none of these verses outside of Isaiah explicitly mention the virgin birth, but they are perfectly compatible with it. And here's the last one. The Bible focuses on the baby, not on the birth. And I love this one. There's so much left unsaid that we would really like to know. But the Bible doesn't tell us all of that. The Bible gives us um, enough that anchors our faith, but, we're, but it doesn't always satisfy our curiosity. The important fact is that is who this baby is and why he came into the world and what he was ab about to accomplish while he was on earth. And Jesus lets us know that this is not some ordinary baby like any other. Therefore, we are on solid and I think biblical ground when we assert our belief that Jesus was indeed conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. It is a thoroughly Christian doctrine that faithful Christians have believed for many generations. Now the final question, really, for me, uh, concerns the meaning of the virgin birth for our faith today. Why is it so important that we are talking about this at all today? Why is it so important that we believe this truth? What does it teach us about the true nature of Jesus Christ? And what are the implications for denying this core doctrine of our faith? Well, first of all, we must acknowledge that it is a mystery. After all is said and done, we still don't understand how it all happened. We can no more explain the virgin birth than we can explain Jesus walking on the water. It is a reversal of all humanly known processes. It is a direct miracle of God that can't be duplicated in somebody's laboratory. Secondly, it's presented in the Bible as historical truth. Read it for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Note that in Luke chapter 3, uh, in the first three verses, he ties this event to a specific set of historical markers. The virgin birth happened during the reign of Caesar Augustus when he issued a decree for a census in the entire Roman Empire. And this census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. These are facts that can be checked and verified in secular history. Luke doesn't say, once upon a time in a land far away, a young virgin gave birth. No, this is not a fairy tale or a bedtime story. It's what happened in, his, in history. And then third, it fits everything we know about Jesus. You see, Je the Bible presents Jesus as a fully human, fully God person. But he was human like us. He lived like us. He died like us. And whatever it means to be truly human, 
Jesus knew all of that. He was as much a human as anyone who has ever lived. He was not an alien. He wasn't some kind of angel or half-man, half-God creature. The virgin birth is, after all, a virgin birth. The miracle took place nine months earlier at the moment of conception. There was nothing mysterious about Jesus' delivery. He developed in the womb as all babies do. He was delivered in the same way that all babies today are delivered. And he nursed by, it was nursed by his mother just like babies are today. But that's only one part of the story. He was also fully divine, fully God. And that, that is why miracles marked his entrance into the world. Again and again we see him pulling back the curtain that separates us from the realm of God and the angels. And he lived on this boundary between the two worlds, one that we can see and a world we can't see. He was hungry and thirsty as a human, and yet in the miraculous, he fed thousands of people with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He slept in the boat, and yet he walked on the water. He, he wept at the tomb of a friend, and then he raised that friend Lazarus from the dead. He ate lunch with a man named Zacchaeus, and then he went out and healed a blind beggar by the name of uh, Bartimaeus so he would receive his sight. He died on Friday, but he came to life again on Sunday. See, it all fits perfectly. He was born of a woman, and he was born of a virgin. He was just like us, and he was nothing like us. He walked among us, and he came from God above. He was the son of Mary, but he was also the son of God. He grew up in Nazareth, but this word became flesh and lived among us. He is our friend. He is our Savior. He was the son of a carpenter, but he's also the sovereign Lord. Little children loved him, and the greatest minds of his day were baffled by him. He was called the son of Joseph, and he was called the son of God. Read the Bible for yourself. Don't take my word for any of this. It's there again and again, the two sides of Jesus, human like us and the Son of God from heaven. He was like us in his birth. He was birthed from a young woman. He was also unlike us in his birth because it was a virgin birth. And if God should decide to become a man, how would he choose to do that? There's a lot of answers to that question, but I submit that much, uh, this much is true. We would expect God to make an unusual entrance into the world because becoming human means that he must be born, and yet because he is God, that birth was miraculous. So we have a miraculous conception, and we have a normal birth, and we put those together and we get exactly what the Bible presents to us, and that is a virgin birth. And that's what I mean when I say that the virgin birth fits with everything that we know about Jesus. Before it happened, no one could have expected it, after it happened, we say, sure, that makes perfect sense. And it's just like God to do something like a virgin birth. There's a miracle here that we may believe or we may deny. There's, there's enough to believe for those who want to believe, and there's enough reason to doubt for those who care to doubt. But miracles are like that. They don't force us to believe. They invite us to make a decision. The great reformer Martin Luther once remarked that the incarnation consisted of three miracles. The first, that God became a man. The second, that the virgin was a mother. Uh, and third, that the heart of every human being needs to believe it. And if you say miracles can't happen, then you must find some way to explain Jesus' birth. And you won't be the first person to do so from the very beginning of 
uh, of the church. Some have found the story too incredible and too mysterious to believe. Let me close with a couple of comments. Uh, You are not a bad person if you doubt the virgin birth. God is not intimidated or threatened by those who ask hard questions and reject easy answers. If you doubt the virgin birth, I'm I'm not going to ask you to study the facts and make up your mind. Rather, I'm just going to invite you to read the whole gospel story from beginning to end, and I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it straight through, and at that point, you will either believe or you won't. The explanation of the birth is not in the birth. It's in the baby. There's a Christmas hymn that says, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? We need to find out who the baby is, and then we will understand his birth. The virgin birth doesn't explain who Jesus is. Who Jesus is explains the virgin birth. How do we account for Jesus? Who is he? Answer that question, and you'll have the answer to the birth. One final word. Can a person reject the virgin birth and still be a Christian? Well, I don't know the answer to that. The virgin birth was never meant to stand alone as a doctrine, or as a core doctrine of our faith. It's not something that we randomly pick out of the air and choose to believe or not believe. The story of Jesus is a seamless garment. It's woven together by the Holy Spirit. If we take out the miraculous birth, we've now torn a great hole in that garment. Christianity is not just a collection of random truths, any one of which we can, you know, choose to drop at any time. It's truth. Truth is a whole, and consequently, we diminish it at any point. Inevitably, uh, and 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 at any point, we diminish it. It inevitably affects the rest, given enough time. When we begin to drop this doctrine or that doctrine, or even though we cannot see at the time how it's going to affect all the rest, it nevertheless does. History teaches us that when we begin to doubt. The virgin birth, we don't stop there. One doubt leads to another until Jesus is no longer the Jesus of the Bible. In truth, the virgin birth is no more miraculous than the resurrection, but they stand or fall together. Do I understand it all? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Why? Because the Bible teaches it, and it makes perfect sense. We may have supreme confidence that the baby whose birth we celebrate is Emmanuel, is God with us. The virgin birth is a sign from God that God entered the human race. He stooped low to be born in a manger, and the baby Jesus uh, is deity uh, in diapers. No human process could have uh, produced him, and on the human side, his mother is Mary. On the divine side, his father is God, and he is God with us. My prayer today is that the the wisest scholars and the simplest believers among us will all bow before the manger in Bethlehem in this season. And together let us proclaim that the infant Jesus, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes, is our personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's pray. God of promise, the coming of your Son into the world has revealed to us your glory. And salvation is ours as we come to believe in the one whom you sent. So help us today to lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light and help us to live honorably, simply, devoutly as people.
that you have set apart to reveal your love to this world. Lead us in the path of peace, in the path of joy. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.